0: Hey MindForce listeners, want to share your opinions, give feedback, or tell me what you are thinking about this podcast? Send me a voice message. Voice messages are an easy way for you to send me audio that might end up in the future episode of MindForce Podcast. They are the latest feature from Anchor, the platform I use to make this podcast happen. Um, so maybe some ideas how you can you know get in touch and what you could share with me is that maybe you have questions for me or what do you think of this episode just tell me give me your feedback and i will do my best to make everything even better what do you think of the topic i'm covering as a part of this podcast show what do you think i should interview or invite to my show so you can grab as as as, as much wisdom as possible from from my show uh, maybe you want to do some, you know, things together with me. Make up a theme song, or uh, you have an, any offer or any partnership opportunity. Just let me know. I will see all of your messages, and I might add them into a future episode. Anchor makes that part super easy. You can send me a voice message right now from wherever you are listening. Just tap in the link in my show notes, and um, basically I will I will listen to them and we will interact. I can't wait to hear from you. Hello listeners, it's Cameron, your host from Mindforce Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to talk about capitalism, the main pillars of it and how it works generally. To explore this deep and very important topic, I invited my friend and my ex-colleague Agarza Malikov, who is working for one of the oldest and biggest US Wall Street banks in New York. So he will give us a brief information about capitalism, again the pillars of it, also we discussed very interesting topics like China, China's economic growth and how it is different from US, what is free market, How the, what, what are the implications of free market and what is the government's role in this vast economic system and finally Agarza shared a couple of advices on how to navigate this capitalistic world to be more aware of how system works and how to understand better to navigate through it. So guys, here we go and enjoy this episode. Hey, Aga, thank you very much for being here, for being today's guest for MindForce podcast. Thank you, thank you for having me. So, Aga, uh, as you know today's topic is capitalism and it's uh, one of the interesting topics that I am dealing with uh, in, in my circle of friends and also getting lots of controversial inputs from the internet. Some people are strongly advocating, uh, you know, for for capitalism that's the best economical system out there another group of people just um hearing their experiments and thoughts saying that it is not that uh you know useful for society especially when everything comes down to money and like it's kind of related to greed in this aspect of the uh, aspect of the uh, economic system. So, as an economist, as a financial ninja, I would like to get your opinion: What is capitalism, and why? Basically, how, how it functions. So, uh, how would you describe it if someone would ask such a question?
1: So, um, let me let me just say one thing, right? Uh, capitalism, uh, pure capitalism, may not be the perfect system but it is definitely one of the best ones out there. I am a capitalist, so I have to say this. Uh, Yes, uh, it is driven by greed, it is driven by money, but greed, for the lack of a better word for it, is good. This is what drives human nature. This is what makes us become better at what we produce uh, to better meet the needs of the population. Uh, Money is what drives our needs. Money is what drives progress. Because we, we want to be richer, we want to be better. Of course, we want to have better lives, and that what drives progress. And that's that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That's the that's the quality of capitalism.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so the, the major things about capitalism is uh, the main things, the main pillars. Let's 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 name this, uh, them this way. Are uh, first of all, you have to have private property. It has to allow people to have tangible assets, intangible assets, and have to allow people to actually own them and have the rights to their private property. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to allow people to act in their self-interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have, they have. To, if they're greedy, let them be greedy, as long as they do not interfere with other people's rights. If they want money, if they want to focus on money, let them do, it, do this. People have to we are uh, self-centered creatures, and we need to follow our self-interest. That's what capitalism focuses on. Mm-hmm. Then it, ha- uh, it has to create competition. Right? Uh, monopoly, uh, ol- oligopolies, these are bad things. Uh, when you have competition, you can create the most efficient way of, of meeting demands. You can, produ- uh, you can produce a certain product in the most efficient way. If you can't do it, then other person will do it. Uh, if they can't do it, then the third person will do it. Somebody will come up with the best way of producing and meeting needs. That's what competition leads to, and that's a good thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Then there has to be a, a market mechanism for it, right? Uh, if I produce something, I have to be able to, to deliver to you. Uh, I have to be able to set a price. Uh, nobody has to come in and say, uh, tell me okay this is the maximum price that you have to uh, set for your product mm-hmm. if I produce something and you're willing to pay hundred bucks for it there should be nobody telling me that I can only sell it for ten bucks mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. that's what free market is uh, how will we ensure that I don't sell it for 200 bucks because nobody will buy it for me for, for two hundred dollars that's what uh, Adam Smith, uh, who is credited with uh, who is credited to be the the father of the of the science of economy, called the invisible hand. Market forces uh, well, that we call supply and demand they dictate what the price should be. If I produce something, if, if I produce something and I set a price for two hundred dollars, nobody buys it from me. If I uh, set a price for $100, everybody buys it for me. But if it costs me to produce, it, uh, to produce 100, for $150 and I can only sell it for $100, I go bankrupt and I don't do this. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, another person who comes in and thinks of a better way to produce it, manages to produce it for $50. Bucks. People agree to buy it for $100 bucks so they can survive the business. Therefore, we have a more efficient business out there. I couldn't do it. Somebody else could do it. That's what capitalism allows. Uh, of course, there has to be another freedom to choose as well. You can't dictate to consumers, to customers, where they have to buy products from, what they have to buy. You can't uh, go to a certain business and say, you know what, this is the supplier that you have to use. This is dictatorship, right? This is, uh, uh, we see these kind of things in, in a lot of emerging, uh, emerging economies where the government comes in and says, the government or the, or the ruling party or, or somebody else comes in and says you have to be you have to choose only from the supplier no matter how bad they are no matter how inefficient they are no matter how expensive they are you have to choose from there that is going uh, getting in the way of competition mm-hmm. that has not happened and uh, the final thing is the limited role of government mm-hmm. everything i described is usually all the problems that i described all the Things that should not be happening are usually happening because the government interferes. Hmm. Uh, the, the lower the role of the government, the better. However, uh, unfortunately, you cannot get rid of the government completely. Mm-hmm. If I go to a juice bar and I order some juice, or I order some drink, or if I go to a bar, regular bar, and I order some alcoholic beverage, I want to be, I, I want to be, I want to make sure, be sure that if I drink this uh, beverage, I won't die. Mm-hmm. There are rules and regulations that enforce there – there's, there's government that enforces rules and safety rules, safety regulations. Uh, somebody who uh, enforces, uh, uh, enforces rules and, and makes make sure that the, the producers do not uh, break the laws, do not lie to consumers, do not uh, trick consumers. Mm-hmm. The, only body, the, the only person that's going to do it uh, is the government, the only, side, the only party that can do it. Mm -hmm. So you can get completely rid of government, uh, but the government's role has to be limited.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is the
1: essence of capitalism.
0: Yeah, that's quite um, informative overview, thank you for that. And uh, also there's a couple of concerns uh, about uh, capitalism and the last pillar of where government should interfere with capitalism to regulate it even more. um i think this is one of the things that again going around the internet and when you think this way it also partially makes sense because look at it like a current us where uh things are you know dramatically changing from uh government and uh capitalism perspective so for example uh current president is basically uh you know billionaire that uh somehow affected his campaign and uh like self-image as a billionaire uh, controlling the government. And from another hand, like very powerful entrepreneurs such as Jeff Bezos. And um, uh, I don't even rem- remember the next uh, next guy, but these two guys, uh, Jeff Bezos bought, uh, the, uh, was the Washington Post the newspaper and the uh, New York Times all recently got sold uh, for a couple of hundreds of millions of dollars for one of the tech entrepreneurs. So, and uh, there is this theory or uh, suggestion I would say, saying that okay, US is as capitalism and uh, this free market and like all these pillars are maximized in, in the US. Now things are getting towards the oligarchy where uh, these rich people are owning the information channels, owning the politics, and investors are investing into political leaders to manipulate um, again the media with the uh, uh, policies, and therefore government should jump in and do something about it, especially when these tech companies are handling all the information flow that humans get. For example, Facebook, right? Like one single platform managed to, you know, change public opinion um, with a uh, you know, push from Russia side to, you know, make, uh, to impact people's decision on who to, whom to choose president. So in this case, Do you find our current situation, especially in the West or United States, uh, capitalism going a bit out of control in this sense, or it's still just like random theories that doesn't make sense? So here's the deal, right?
1: Uh, Monopolies can uh, come into existence in in several different ways. First is, one of them is when you have all the... Power in the country, and you just simply do not let other businesses do the, do the business. Mm-hmm. And you're the only one producing a certain good, so you have the monopoly. But there's also a natural way to become a, a monopolist. Mm-hmm. Facebook uh, does not consider itself monopolistic because, the, and in fact, it's not a monopoly. There's a, a lot of other tech giants out there, a lot of other social uh, services, uh, social media services that, in fact, when, he, when, uh, when Mark Zuckerberg was testifying in Congress, mm-hmm. uh, they asked him about uh, being, being the monopoly uh, in, in social media. And he said, it certainly doesn't feel that way because we have so much competition and we, we, we fight, uh, fight that competition off every single day and it certainly doesn't feel like we have the monopoly.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so they don't do, have the monopoly, but uh, for people who only use a certain service, that is, that is monopolistic, but again, companies can become uh, monopolistic naturally because they're so good at something. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, capitalism allows them to have the property rights to something that they produce. For a certain time, they have all the trademarks, they have the patents, so nobody else can produce that because these companies came up with those. Mm-hmm. So they collect cash and they start buying other, their competitors who may become a, com- uh, a major source of competition in the future, and they become uh, monopolistic. Mm-hmm. So the government's role in this case is to step in and say, you know what, stop. So you can't buy, so Google, you can't buy Yahoo. That's what, was, uh, that's what uh, Google wanted to do, uh, to buy Yahoo back in the day. And the government didn't allow it to happen because imagine, back, back, back then we had Google and Yahoo as two major competitors and now then imagine you only have one Google mm-hmm. and not, nothing competing with it, which is kind of like a thing right now. Mm-hmm. already but back then the government stepped in and said no you can't buy yahoo because you would become one major source of uh, one major search engine you know one major source of the information that people can uh, can get so you can't do it and i think this is the right way to do the government uh, has the right to step in for the best for the benefit of the general population mm-hmm. and to prevent monopolies from occurring whether naturally or unnaturally Mm-hmm. Well, I think this is a. I think this is a. This is a, This is okay. I think this is fine, and this has proven to be fine. This has proven to, to benefit the consumers, the general population as well.
0: Mm-hmm. There uh, is, I believe, this slight, very uh, really thin line uh, of where government is doing kind of okay with interference, and uh, like, and another part just like one centimeter to the next step, and there is like huge interference that. Uh, closes down the doors of innovation. For example, Europe is known to be uh quite you know uh tough with their like legal uh tech slash legal environment and also their social policies that really limits companies of uh you know using uh, data to make decisions to you know use use this like user data to bring even more product to diversify the, uh, the their portfolio. While in US, it's more open, although it's, I think, uh, starting from this uh, Facebook uh, leak, it's maybe getting tougher. I don't know if you guys are feeling there or not. But uh, what do you think would be the ideal, uh, healthy amount of interference to make sure that, okay, it's not working against uh, general public, but also it's not limiting the, uh how to say that the the innovation
1: so you, you said you said one interesting thing uh you asked whether those pillars of capitalism are actually maximized in the united states they're absolutely not mm. uh, but the thing is the, the u.s economy is so uh multilateral it's uh, that you see uh you see parts of the economy where lobbies have become so powerful you don't have monopolies but you have lobbies, the association of producers that lobby their interests through Congress, and they need so much power that it's actually a monopoly on a very high, on, on a much higher level. And the government can do and it doesn't do anything of, uh, for it because the government is, is is the Congress, and the Congress is lobbied by those producers.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But there are fields where the government interferes uh, a lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: For example, you see. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of talk right now happening uh, about legalization of marijuana, right? Uh, many states have legalized recreational marijuana. Uh, many states have legalized medical marijuana. New Jersey, where I live, is one of those states. A lot of states have legalized recreational marijuana. New Jersey is actually in talks uh, to do that. Uh, they're currently uh, going to discussion. Canada has done it on the federal level. Mexico is thinking of doing it on the federal level. A lot of people think that the government's role now of uh, considering marijuana possession a, a felony is interference is interfering with the capitalism and I personally think that it is because marijuana is not a more harmful substance than alcohol however alcohol lobby i mean alcohol has been known to you know be legal and it's the government can't just step in and ban alcohol people will you know cause a revolution because it's uh, something that is given, this is something that is uh, taken as granted.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But marijuana, the government still can put you in jail for possessing it, and that is interfering with capitalism. Imagine if people could produce and sell, and it, it would turn into a whole separate uh, field of economy that would bring in tax revenues, and you would use this, uh, that tax revenue to build schools and to, uh, to repair roads mm-hmm. and for public good. So that is where the government interferes. You, you see, in, in the US economy, you see both sides. For example, cannabis or marijuana is some, uh, something that government interferes fiercely and should get the hell out of. Mm-hmm. On the other side, for example, you see, um, you see gun producers or uh, let's, let's not talk about that, it's a very controversial subject. Let's, let's talk about sugar, for example. You have in, in the US, you have sugar in everywhere. Mm-hmm. Absolutely everywhere. Every single food has sugar. You, you you buy just regular yogurt and it has sugar in it. Added sugar. The sugar lobby is insanely powerful in the United States. They mm-hmm. lobby their uh they lobby the regulation. There is nothing uh, stopping them from producing more sugar and from getting uh, producers to add sugar in 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 their products. Sugar is harmful, but. Again, there's no, not enough uh, government regulations from holding uh, producers to add, uh, for, from adding sugar into, uh, into foods, right? The government should think about the general public, right? That's what we're paying taxes for uh, so that the Congress can actually investigate issues and come up with rules and regulations that uh, help us keep, uh, remain safe and uh, secure and uh, healthy. Mm-hmm. Sugar is not one of those things, and yet we have sugar everywhere because the sugar lobby is so powerful. For yeah. example, here you see the government is not doing enough. It's not interfering. It's actually, you, you see the opposite of, monopoly. You, you see the complete monopoly and actually uh, produce enforcing their own product.
0: Okay. So, yeah. So, in capitalism, so in this capitalistic state, um, I think I, I had this, you know, in, in, in indirect uh, first and second hand, let's say, experience with uh, the power of lobbyism or lobby, you know, operations where well, I was working at uh, back in the uber days uh there was um so we uh, we had and uh, we were constantly onboarding uh like ex political campaign managers for the presidential campaigns for uh you know other ca- uh, political figures to come and join uber in order to start lobbying um you know ca- lobbying communities in washington in other gov- other capitals of the major countries like london paris etc to how to say that, to uh, influence the policies in order to help Uber to make, make a be- better business in those markets. And uh, so it was, from our perspective, it was kind of, uh, how to say, good thing to do because basically, like, uh, the, the mo- in the most countries, Uber business was unregulated. It doesn't mean illegal, but unregulated government was not knowing how to do about it. And uh, through the power of lobbies and uh, these lobby managers, we were passing some policies to, you know, have governments allow us to do a pure white business. But from other hand, like uh, with uh, alcohol or sugar, even like gun gun lobby, right? Like this gun lobby is quite big and therefore everyone can basically go and buy, buy a gun. In US we also covered this topic in our last meeting, right? Uh, and uh, is, that, is it true that this lobbying basically uh, blocks or influences government in a way that it makes it makes people it makes government to make healthy decisions on what is good for public and what is not. So when the lobbying starts, I mean the the idea of lobbying
1: initially, the idea of lobbying initially is was to inform legislators okay. about a certain certain issues. It was not uh, bribing them,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: But as a lobbying community of a certain uh, certain producers becomes more and more powerful, as they have more and more money, as they have more and more resources to lobby, there's a fine line between stopping in between informing and actually bribing legislators for your own favor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, those problems exist, of course, Uh, and in the United States, there maybe more more visible than anywhere else. And I do think that, yes, uh, there are many cases when the lobbyists uh, cross the line and actually inf- uh, you know, influence legislators more than they should. And the legislators actually do that because they have a choice. Either think of public good, you know, go against the lobbyists, or actually get elected again. The lobbyists have all the money, and you can't get elected if you don't have money in your campaign. You don't have uh, campaign donations. And the most powerful campaign donations usually come, the biggest campaign donations usually come from lobbyists. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that problem exists, and I, I, that's why I don't think, you know, the United States, the U.S. has a lot of problems. The United States has a lot of problems with capitalism on both sides. Too much government interference and sometimes not a lot of uh, government role at all.
0: yeah yeah there's there's like it, not not system is basically perfect and uh facing some challenges like it regulates itself to be good for business and good for society as well and i believe us is on the way of basically finding out what works for it and what doesn't especially with this tech like huge and maybe un, unseen progress of tech world it's this pro- problem or gap in Uh, government's understanding of technology and uh, etc also will generate some knowledge for other industries as well and let's talk about free market in this in this um, uh, as a next point and uh, also this free market maybe you can give more information about um, basically how it is being regulated like from capitalistic point of view and how, how capitalist systems make sure that free market is there and no one is influencing this market in order to control prices, control, again, like past policies that would create limitations in in, in this area. So the free
1: market is, uh, I just wanted to say one thing that uh, I always thought the free market was the best, one of the best options uh, we have. Uh, But I, I would say now that it depends because China has proved Complete uh, reliance on free market to be not the only way to go. Uh, for example, at the, uh, the end of '80 and the, uh, the end of 1980s, uh, Milton Friedman, a world-renowned economist who has a Nobel Prize and uh, received a Nobel Prize in economy, was invited to China to help them uh, figure out what they should do and how they should you know, move forward uh, to bring up the economy. And he propagated complete free market. No uh, trade barriers, no tariffs, nothing. Just let the people, uh, entrepreneurs, take, take over the economy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: China, China did not go that way. They still had some government grip on some uh, areas of the economy. They heavily subsidized some econ- uh, some parts of the economy, but again, use the entrepreneurial power of their own people because the the, the U.S. The, the China has a huge population,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I, I think it comes down to to the to mentality and culture as well. Mm-hmm. The government tells you to produce something. Americans will never follow the the, the advice of the government, right? In mm-hmm. China, it may be different. The China uh, China has the power of propagating of you know influencing the population more than the u.s government does Mm -hmm. but uh, again when it comes to so they they did that to not allow foreign uh producers to enter their market too soon and to take over the entire economy
0: for outside world it's not so free
1: Hmm? uh for the outside world it was
0: not so free but the thing is Uh, For example, if you allow – you're a new country,
1: right? You're a country with with very uh, little economy. What do you do? Do you allow foreign producers to come into your country and produce uh, that product or sell that product, Uh, let's say, just import that product, so that your consumers can buy it for cheap, uh, for for a very low price? Or you close down the borders and you encourage your own producers to produce the same product. They do that, but they produce it for like five times more expensive. And your consumers are the ones who suffer from it because they have to pay five times more to buy the, same, the exact same product. However, if you have large enough population, you can create this competition within the population mm-hmm. and the prices may come down. And then after some point, you reach the level of efficiency that uh, foreign producers uh, have. So you open up those borders. Now your local com- uh, producers compete with foreign producers as well and they become even more and more, even better and better.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But in the beginning, they chose to close down their borders again, it depends on which field of the economy we're talking about, but China mainly took this path from many uh, parts of this uh, of its economy and it's still quite close compared to the United States. It's very closed again because it's trying to subsidize its own producers trying to bring them up to speed before it opens up all of all of its borders.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's what China chose to do but it doesn't work always. you had. Uh, for example, you had Turkey with the same problem, and you, you look at their automobile industry. Tofash is nowhere near European cars for
2: mm-hmm. uh, quality. Uh,
1: we're not going to even t- mention the Russian cars, which were you know produced during the Soviet times, because back then you did not have entrepreneurs producing uh, cars. You had the government producing cars with closed borders, and they turned out to be the worst, even worse than Turkish cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what closed borders... Uh, so you. By having closed borders, you have the risk of running those problems. But now, if we're not talking about uh, China or the U.S., if we talk about uh, free market in general, there's an interesting thing about free market. Again, if I produce a laptop and I try to sell it to you for $300, and somebody produces the same laptop with the same qualities, the same quality, and, and sells it to you. They can produce it cheaper and they sell it to you for $200, you will buy it from them and I, I will go out of business, right? But what if, uh, now, what if I produce a very good product and I have all the patents on it? Let's, let's imagine when, uh, when they produced iPhone for the first time. Mm-hmm. Everybody wanted to buy it from Apple. But what if Apple put a price of $5,000 on iPhone? Not a lot of people would buy it, correct? Mm-hmm. Right? So they They still had to. They still had this unique product, but they still had to go with the rules of the free market. They had still had to have people buying it from them to stay in business. Mm-hmm. That here you see a very unique product, but still the company has to follow the uh, you know. Still feels the pressure of the free market, and people have, can dictate that. People can actually benefit from it, and the the price goes lower, and a lot of people can buy it now. Imagine even more ex- extreme example, you produce the first uh, medicine that treats cancer. Mm-hmm. In the free market, how much do you think people will be pay, willing to pay to, to live, to not die? The price is infinite.
2: Yeah.
1: So, for example, you produce one magic pill that a person takes and treats, that treats all types of cancer that the person has, for example. Let's, let's think of this magical term. You can price, it can charge any price on, on it, right? You can charge, but you can say this is going to be $50 million and there are enough millionaires and multi-billionaires in the world for you to make a killing on it. But what about the regular people, right? Yeah. So the, these are the things, these are the times when the government actually steps in. Healthcare. Healthcare is probably one of the unique uh, fields of the economy where I think the government has the right to step in mm-hmm. and say, you know what? Yeah, it's free market. It's all cool, but you know, people are actually dying. So you know, you can't really charge ten million dollars for this one little pill. So let's let's talk this over. Let's let's figure this out. But again, the government does it too much. Then you 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 don't have the incentive to actually produce that pill because you, it costs be a lot of money. There's a fine line between it. And again, it, I think it depends on how well the legislators handle these kind of situations but mm-hmm. in general again for the record i think the governments should stay mostly out of out of the economy
0: yeah uh, you know, that's yeah. the final it's quite imp- interesting important uh, topic i believe because from uh like even from a philosophical perspective a uh, free market and uh, the market basically managing itself without any interference or any I'll say, conscious interference is quite aligned with the overall uh, philosophy of trade. For example, if someone makes uh, things and uh, if there's a demand, which means that that person satisfies other person's demand, that they, therefore they get paid with a universal currency of like dollars or euros, etc. cetera. Like, it doesn't matter what money is. And, uh, and uh, it basically creates, there's a video by, uh, the one Germ- German agency, I don't know, I'm very bad at German. So they had this video in YouTube called, um, what was that altruistic egoism, and uh, they were linking it with, uh, with capitalism and how our world basically manages itself, saying that in previous previous uh, world, let's say before the modernism or before the industrialism. Things were like economy was always shaky because there was always limited resources. Where you have, you know, let's say one one cake, and everyone was fighting against to to get the biggest uh, portion of it. Like there's a one limited land, and they were fighting with each, each other to get the biggest lands or biggest, you know, like uh, p- portion of wells, etc. But uh, when technology came, this uh, free market also changed. So maybe like it basically impacted free market to come along after this. Uh, Industrialization, but nowadays we we are seeing that with each new innovation, people as people create new you know industries, new demands. This one cake is becoming two cakes, and the two cakes multiplied by two makes four cakes, etc. And therefore, free markets create uh, almost infinite number of cakes where everyone can you know benefit itself therefore it articulates more more and more wealth and uh, like now we are living in the best basically times of human uh, history and even I don't know like I also heard this news read written economist I believe they were saying that uh, it's the first time in the history of the United States where uh, job openings and like vacancies are more than people who are looking for jobs and therefore uh, they're and importing um, this, you know, software developers spe- uh, specialists to come to us and work for them and uh, so like free market really impacts the as, as far as i'm concerned impacts world's growth in a dramatic way where everyone you know now is free basically to um, collect wealth for for himself uh, what what do you think about it do you think it's a you how would say that very Idealistic approach to this point without considering any risks, but or if it basically works this way.
1: Uh, one thing about the US having more job, uh, job opening openings than uh, people looking for jobs that's that's true. I, I read this, I think it happened, I think it happened in the beginning of this year for the first time. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
1: but what do you do, right? Uh, you have more uh, job openings, you have more companies looking for people than you have people looking for jobs. So there are two things, you either open up borders and you know, uh, invite more people from outside, which uh, we've always had people coming over to this country uh, for jobs, but now they're reducing the number of H1B visas and you know, uh, L1 visas and all that. So what happens, uh, let's talk about in economic terms, what happens when you actually close the border and you don't let people come from, from other countries to uh, for, uh, labor, to uh, immigrate into your country. You still have all those job openings, but you have fewer people. So what happens, the, the value of those people in your country, the value of the of employees in your country goes up. Yeah. Which means salaries have to go up because if I'm looking for a person, there's not enough person, there's not enough people in the country. I have to jack up my price. If I, was paying some, uh, I would be paying somebody $100,000 a year, now, I'm offering $120,000 a year for them to leave their job and come work for me. Mm-hmm. Now, the other company has, has to actually keep up with that price and or, or increase their salary so that the person doesn't actually leave. Mm-hmm. That's actually, I think, is the idea behind some of the, you know, the, the main policy Writers like uh, people like Stephen Bannon, Steve, uh, Stephen Miller here in this country. That you know they want to jack up these salaries. They want to not let other people uh, come into this country so that the salaries go up. Mm-hmm. That's how they create. Uh, that's how uh, that, that's their their idea of lifting up lifting up uh, the middle class. Uh, but in general, yes, free market creates turns that one cake into two cakes and 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 three cakes as you go forward. But again. Uh, free economy, free trade, it was all perfect until China proved their own way, hmm. until China actually showed that free economy and free trade are the best things to have if you're the first one to have them. All right. you are ahead of other economies, mm-hmm. you are the one who can actually supply cheaper goods to other economies.
2: Mm.
1: It is the best thing to have. Of course, then there will be some other producer in the other country that will produce Cheaper goods for for your consumers to enjoy, then your consumers will save money by buying the foreign producers. But again, you will still have a robust, solid envi- economic environment.
2: Mm-hmm. But if you're
1: a new, huge country like China, you open up your borders, and you really don't really have any major producers like they did in the 80s. It was a it was a, an underdeveloped economy with a billion, one and a half billion people of population. Then you will have all these foreign country, foreign companies. You know, uh, flocking into your economy and producing all the stuff and taking all the money back to, to their own shareholders. Mm-hmm. So they chose a different path and they actually proved it to be successful.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I think uh, China deserves to be studied much more than it has been studied before. And you actually had a very you know uh, uh, a bunch of new economic articles in the New York Times about China recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, discussing this, uh, this new uh, phenomenon, because it hasn't been studied as much, and we really don't know much about China about about their economic model, mm-hmm. uh, as we do about the free, econo- uh, the free economic model of Milton Friedman. Mm-hmm. And still, new works have to be written, still new uh, Nobel Prizes have to be given in, in that field as well, and I think, I th- I think we have a great uh, things to look forward uh, in, in, in the economic field. Oh, so.
0: okay. Do you think, uh, so what is the, from your perspective, from pure financial perspective, what is the chance of China's economic growth being a bubble? Do you uh, think uh, it like no, no, uh, can you know, burst at some time? Well, there's no reason to
1: burst, at least uh, from what we know, because uh, you know the, the bubble burst here back back in two thousand eight when there were, were not enough. Uh, there was not there was not there were not enough assets behind financial resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, people would create ten times more financial resources that were simply uh, linked to the same financial the same asset. And if that asset disappeared, it would take down not one one to one value, uh, but it would take ten times more value with it. And that's exactly what, exactly what happened in China. You do have producers producing uh, major goods that actually supply economies, uh, their own economy and economies around the world. And they have been creating. Uh, they've had uh, ten uh, around ten percent of economic growth for 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 a couple of a few decades now. As is, if you have ten percent economic growth, around ten percent of economic growth, a GDP growth for decades, that creates a lot of wealth. No matter how big your population is, that creates a lot of wealth. And you can actually see all those, these projects that China invests around the world. They create, they, they build these infrastructure projects all around the world in other countries. The country, uh, a lot of them, you look at look at the partnership that China has with the African countries. Look at the, uh, the partnerships that China has with post-Soviet countries. They build those infrastructure uh, projects. They build those, uh, you know, uh, those bridges, those roads, those, uh, uh, the, the electricity-producing facilities, mm-hmm. sometimes the country cannot pay them back, so they own them. Mm-hmm. They own those facilities. Even if, uh, it were, if there was a danger of uh, becoming a bubble, I think China is dealing with it very efficiently and very well by simply reallocating these resources around the world and turning that economic power into a political power.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. They uh, yeah. They, they basically like, literally build uh, all the Sri Lankas, all the infrastructure, and yeah, as you told, heavily invest in Africa. And yeah, while like whole, whole world is dealing with uh, uh, US problems and uh, all this like immigration stuff, China is slowly but surely is taking over the uh, eastern hemisphere, uh, which is quite fascinating and freaking out at the same time. <laughs> But you know what's interesting, though? U.S. has an open
1: market, and U.S. has... uh, U.S., a democratic society, would never be able to do that. Would never... We'll never be able to influence... uh, To have this much influence through those infrastructure projects. And you know why? The moment U.S. goes into another country and builds a bridge there Mm -hmm. with no uh, tangible return in the near future... The voters in the United States will, will be like, why are we spending our taxpayer money on b- building bridges and roads around the, in Sri Lanka? Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, whoever in Congress decided to approve that budget will get outvoted from, from Congress. China doesn't have that problem. So here you see lack of democracy actually turning uh, you know, the, the country into one of the major inf- uh, influential forces in, in the world. The US would never be able to sponsor as many infrastructure projects around the world because simply the voters would not allow it.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that's an interesting um, yeah, dilemma. I say now, now China is proving that, okay, it can be like lack of democracy can be actually good for your influence over the world. <laughs> but if you think about it, if you think about a regular Chinese citizen,
1: Mm-hmm. How much do they profit? How much do they benefit from China's influence in Sri Lanka or in, 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 in any African country? Again, that, why wouldn't an American voter allow the U.S. government to spend so much money around the world building infrastructure projects? Because they want this money to spend here in the United States for their benefit. They want to benefit from it. They want their children to benefit from it. They want to live a good life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What does a Chinese citizen get right now? in their lifespan, in their lifetime, or maybe their kids, from ha- having China's poli- political parties influence around the world. Yeah, of course, it's, it's you know, or, you know, you, you wake up in the morning and say, oh, I am a citizen of the most powerful country in the world, of course, but how does that benefit you personally?
0: Well, it, can, it cannot it create, uh, I mean, make, um, guarantee uh, access to those markets, to Sri Lanka, to African countries, to export goods, and to generate cash for the country uh, in a long, long, long term, like for hundreds of hundreds of years.
1: Yeah, yeah, for that, and that's the, the that's what's been benefiting Chinese companies actually, because the when China invests in those in those countries, it's the Chinese companies that get the contracts.
0: Yeah, they influence.
1: They come in, they build, and they do create jobs for their own citizens.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So in that sense, that actually benefits their own population. But again, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a very long term. Yeah. Uh, side it's a very long-term approach and it's never gonna it's i can't imagine it working with uh, with american voters mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah this is like uh, china is a like whole different topic that you know again like as as you mentioned demands a whole like study to better understand even like in the this academic system in china how do you call it do we call it capitalism do we call it like communism slash capitalism what is is there a proper name of uh, for the, I'm not sure.
1: That's, that's a good question. I don't even know.
0: Mm, yeah, they, they have like created their own version of everything, basically, and it's working for them.
1: It does. As long as it does, I'm, I'm happy for them. And I think, you know, in general... I think if, if, uh, if you think about it, if you want to, you know, uh, be on, on, on top of these things, English, of course, speaking English is a very important thing, right? Uh, you have to speak English because the entire world speaks it. But again, I think Chinese is slowly becoming, if, if it hasn't yet, becoming the second language. And knowing Chinese, I think, will be very crucially important in the future. And for anybody uh, in the business environment, I think this is a very important thing
0: to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and there was a time that I wanted to learn Chinese, but then, okay, my, my travels to Arabic countries started, and I just forgot it. Okay, um, so let's maybe, as, as we touched base upon China, uh, I want to briefly uh, kind of ask a couple of questions from risks of capitalism perspective, especially when uh, there's a, also debates going on in the West, we know that there's a neo-Marxist, a wave is like always there and, uh, and uh, shaking the you know mindset of the young people and the propaganda against capitalism saying that capitalism in overton as a Marx ideology will create lots of i to say that uh, difference in the society where like small population is owning everything and that this uh, classes distance between classes from the resource perspective is getting wider and wider uh, how would you react to this claim saying that capitalism eventually, in ultimate uh, perspective, ultimate scale, will create uh, differences, uh, economic problems in the society rather than making everything better?
1: One thing, right? Uh, all those people in this country claiming that we're going to we're suffer in the future because capitalism is going to lead to destruction of, you know, of uh, you know, class and all that, they're here, they're, they're rich, they're way better off than the rest of the world because of capitalism. Capitalism allowed them to be where they are. It, we were not socialism in the in the past, and and now all of a sudden decided to change into capitalism, and now, and these people thinking, oh, okay, that was the wrong choice. Capitalism is gonna you know, wreck a havoc. No, we've been this country has been capitalistic since its founding in the 18th century, and it worked perfectly for us. Yes, conditions were different. You know, uh, taxation was different. There was uh, there was lower wealth inequality. But again, the economy was smaller as well. Of course, the economy is smaller, the wealth inequality will be smaller. When you have uh, media giants earning money from all over the world, well, we're talking about billions and billions, trillions of dollars, of course, the wealth inequality will be, uh, will be, will be much bigger. Back then, they, one of the richest men in the world, uh, the richest man in the country, I'm sorry, could possess half of the, you know, could earn as much as half of the GDP of the country, and yet, today's Regular millionaire owns more money than that person back in the day. Mm -hmm. So the economy is bigger. You have more cakes, as you mentioned, right? So the wealth inequality will be, in absolute terms, will be, and in absolute terms in the percentages, will be higher. Capitalism is what got us here and what made us rich. So I don't think it's a wrong thing to stick to. I think we should still stick to it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, interesting thing about capitalism is, Pure capitalism uh, leads to uh, so so there's this uh, impression called uh, trickle down economics that uh, was propagated during the Reagan times. It says that if you give the tax enough uh, tax breaks, if you uh, let them, you know, uh, build wealth, they will start spending it, uh, reinvesting it back into the economy, and uh, people below them will get all the benefits. Well, it doesn't really work that way. It it was pro, you know it, it. the wealth turned out to actually stay in one place not trickle down too much however in general capitalist terms we have more people i i've seen more people in this country contribute to charities than anywhere else mm-hmm. you have wealthy people and, and not so wealthy people given money to charitable organizations which they don't earn money they just collect these donations and they Go and uh, spend them on education, on healthcare, on research, on all those things. Capitalism's last uh, form is, after creating all this wealth, is creating more charitable uh, charitable donations, and that's where you know I think capitalism defies all these expectations that it, it, it's just all greed, it's just all about money, and it will wreak a havoc on the uh, on the economy in the future because the wealth inequality will become so big that you'll have millions and millions of of, uh, poor people and very small number of very rich people in the future. No, the wealth does trickle down eventually in different forms, in the form of charitable contributions, in the form of new jobs created. The wealthy do need consumers. They do, do need customers. And I think capitalism has been very great in providing that and managing and balancing the economy. I don't think those... Calls for uh, cause for you know uh, for dangers in the future are substantiated, and I don't think those people calling uh, propagating them have had very good economic education.
0: Yeah. So from this point of view, basically, capitalism proved that all these theories of uh, Karl Marx and uh, then the next generation of neo Marxists are basically just like you no know, uh, incentivized by a fear or maybe not understanding how systems work because. They basically did this like counter arguments, counter uh, systems basically got tested out in Soviet Russia, in many more communist countries where like ev- everything and everyone failed and still the capitalistic West is alive and thriving more than ever. And uh, in, in action, capitalism proved itself while uh, this communist ideologies are f- keep failing. The only, only difference Different system is alive that is doing well is China. Again, we touch base upon that, but it will just not consider it. Um, I also believe that commun- capitalism is, you know, proving that things are getting better and better for for everything, at least for the wo- who for the people who are willing to, you know, get integ- integrated to society and produce something or you know be a part of the system that benefits the general public.
1: Yeah, I think I think. Uh... You mentioned Marxism. I think this is Marxism is one of the most un, uh, misunderstood uh, ideologies, because according to Marxism, you can't start socialism without going through capitalism. I think that was his main argument. So you have to have capitalism, which will eventually lead to, in some form to some uh, some form of socialism, and that's in in a sense that's what's happening with increasing charities, with increasing uh, non-for-profit organizations in the capitalistic countries. You have more non-for-profit organizations and charitable donations in uh, the capitalistic countries, in rich capitalistic countries than in any other. And that's what they uh, seek no profit. They simply give, give out their money to help the poor. They simply give out their money for, for a better cause. And that's, I think, is, is what, what was an idea behind Marxism, was that capitalism will eventually lead to it. So you can't really... Take a country or, or, or uh, some uh, form of economy into socialism per se. You, will, you have to give it a time and it will eventually go get there on its own. And I, I think that's why Marxism is one of the most misunderstood things. I'm not saying Marxist, uh, Karl Marx was completely right, but I'm just saying that what he said actually makes sense even for a capitalist like myself.
0: Okay, this is actually a very interesting claim. All right. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i i think um i i will basically think about it to you know reevaluate uh, my understanding of mark's um ideas but yeah so let's move towards uh, uh maybe point that our listeners will 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 be looking forward to it so uh for people and especially let's say for myself or people who are listening to the podcast uh, what would you suggest them to do to better understand how, basically, how money works, how economy works and uh, to gain this consciousness about money and uh, the economy to make better decisions in their lives, to you know, actively participate in the system to generate wealth for themselves? So do you recommend any book or anything else that you think would be really useful without having formal finance or economic background?
1: I think the general understanding of how economy works and how the financial system works uh, goes a long way. There are many resources out there, on edX or Coursera or uh, the Khan Academy, uh, you know, very short courses on how the economy works, how the banking system works, how the financial system works, why we have the financial system in place, why we have the need for banks, why we have the need for lending. All these things, uh, if the person understands them, they will be better uh, able to understand uh, the value of money and how money should be reallocated, how money should be thought of, and how investment should be thought of and how investment should be approached. I think that's, that's, the, that's the fundamental uh, things that uh, should be known for anybody starting a business, otherwise uh, doing a business. Otherwise, again, uh, knowing your own product and coming up with a great product is still number one, thing, number, number one uh, way to make it in the economy in a capitalistic economy, the rich. So, my general uh, suggestions would be, simply use those free resources on the web to better understand the general economy, general economic forces, the the invisible hand, as Adam Smith called it, the s- supply and demand, and uh, the value and the, the, the function of money in the economy and the function of the financial system. That goes a long way.
0: Fantastic. All right, it I was very, useful and super interesting talk uh, thank you very much for joining and enlightening us for uh, from the monetary and uh, economic perspective thank you very much
1: thank you thank you very much for having me it was, a, was a great talk to you
0: cheers man